And being a Thursday, it's a great pleasure to welcome Sean Lang into the studio to talk about the week's news. Good evening, Sean. Good evening, Devin. I was uh, I was told by Steffi that you would arrive at five twenty-eight. I thought that was kind of uh, just a, <laughs> just a bit of humour, but it, it was That's true. Bit, right, <laughs> the, the hand appeared at the studio window at uh, five twenty-eight. But uh, it's nice to meet you yeah. finally, having uh, heard you on the radio in recent uh, in recent weeks. So I suppose the obvious topic tonight to start with really is the, the continuing crisis in uh, in Gaza. And yes. uh, it doesn't. It, it's going to get worse before it gets better. I think, isn't it? Yes, I think um, there's, that's widely assumed, and it's easy to see why. Um, because not only have you got an intractable situation, because on the one hand you've got the taking of the hostages, and a lot was made of the release of, of uh, well, I think it's now four hostages have been have been released. Yeah. Um, but obviously, that's a they're all women, in- interestingly, um, and this is you know very much a sort of small deal. It's not. It's not sort of. It's not the beginning of releasing everyone or anything of that sort. Um, but from the Israeli point of view, the taking of hostages has a particular sort of resonance. I mean, there was a, a sol- an Israeli soldier who a few years ago was uh, held for something like five years, um, you know, having been snatched yeah. in, 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 a, in a raid. But also historically, the idea of keeping a, a population to ransom or holding them to ransom, it, I, it brings back memories of the Holocaust period when effectively that was being done with, uh, with Jews, particularly in Hungary towards the end of the war. So this is the sort of thing where um, you, know, you might think, well surely you do anything you can to safeguard the lives of hostages and yet at the same time I mean the other one I suppose, come to think of it of course more recent than the, the Holocaust example was in Entebbe in Uganda when the Israelis sent commanders in to, to rescue hostages there. So this is something where uh, you, you hit a very sort of hard response, if you like, from, from yeah. Israel, you know, for historic reasons. And then the other side of that is that clearly uh, we know, and indeed it was confirmed yesterday by the Israeli government, by the Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, that they are going to have a, a military invasion of Gaza to try to root out Hamas. Now, A, what does root out Hamas mean or destroy Hamas mean? I mean, obviously, Hamas is an organisation which has got got members, but... It's not just a question of of taking out uh, its leadership. It's something. It's sort of like you know any um, terrorist or guerrilla organisation. The th- thing about Hamas is that it's it is a terrorist organisation, and indeed has been you know it's been um, called that officially by various governments, including our own. But it's not the only thing that it is. That's the point. It's also a government, um, and it operates as a government. You know, it provides healthcare, it provides uh, sort of education, schools, and what have you within Gaza. So it's it's not as quite as straightforward as say taking out. Uh, I don't know, the mafia or something like that, where you've got identifiable people and can can take them out. And secondly, simply in terms of uh, um, the military capability, yes, Israel is a much, much bigger military force than than anything in in, in Gaza. But on the other hand, uh, to go into a city, and it's a heavily urbanised area, Gaza, any military person will tell you that what's one of the hardest um, sort of military operations to do, which is to take someone who is entrenched in a city and when it's fully prepared and you know we keep hearing about this network of tunnels um one of the hardest types of fighting that you can have and certainly bombing from the air or you know firing rockets in or what have you doesn't get people out of tunnels far from it 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 drives them into it so we're heading into um a really intractable situation where it's very difficult to see how israel can 
you know, realistically win this unless it has really thought through the, the sort of after plan. And this, I think, is why President um, uh, Biden was saying to them, you know, don't make the mistake that we made um, in Afghanistan. Don't make the mistake that we made in Iraq going in without a clear political plan for what you do when you've won. I often say to my students, um, you know, in, in looking at history, your, your problems begin when you win. It sounds counterintuitive, yeah. but actually it's absolutely true. When you lose, you, someone else has to make the decisions. And presumably it's, it's difficult for world leaders just to set out their pitch on this, because on the one hand they've, they've got to be seen and, and they want to be denouncing terrorism, but they don't want to be unsupportive of Palestine. Yes, and it's or, just a really difficult balance to strike, isn't or, it, in or, any or messages? Israel, I mean, of course it's, it, it cuts both ways, but the main thing is, of course, about uh, supportive of, of civilians. And, mm. uh, and that's the point in the sense that both sides have got in common, that they've both got civilians who've been um, targeted and have been um, hit by rockets and, of course, the, um, th this appalling attack over, you know, to, to, a, a raid stroke pogrom, if you like. It's been called both things um, that we saw on the 7th, of, 7th mm -hmm. of October. So in both cases, you've got civilians suffering. But, of course, in Palestine, it's particularly because the weight of firepower is that much greater coming from Israel. And, of course, they're very heavily um, uh, packed into that very, very narrow area. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a very difficult one for politicians to play, not only in terms of where does the right lie, because I believe you me, you know, you can look at it historically and you can make a case for either side, mm -hmm. um, but also um, because you've got to look at your own population and your political support, and no politician uh, ignores their political base. And that's the sort of thing which, um, in particular, Keir Starmer is hitting at the moment, yeah. where, you know, one line that he wants to take is running very much counter to the line that many of his supporters want to take. Yeah. So how do you think Keir Starmer can triangulate this and uh, get, get out of this one? Not an easy one, and I don't think he's got it right yet, um, because he heads a Labour Party which has a deeply entrenched support for, for Palestine. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having a deeply entrenched support for Palestine, no. um, but it can lead you into, and certainly in the Labour Party and under Jeremy um, Corbyn it certainly did, into uh, a very hostile attitude towards not just Israel, but also towards Jews. Now, I know there's a lot of you know, a lot of people say, well, you can you can oppose the government of Israel and and not be anti-Semitic, uh, and that is true. You certainly can, but it's not the case that everyone does it. And a lot of a lot of the support for um, for Palestine also it went over, and we saw this, you know, with the anti-Semitism issue in the Labour Party before Keir Starmer became its leader. You know, goes into attacks on Jews in general. So it's a it's a very difficult line and. He's going to have to decide, A, what his position or what his position is and therefore, if you like, what the leadership's position is going to be. Um, and he's going to have to stick to it. And if that means some people leave the party, well, that will happen. But having said that, he's got to have a line that enough particularly if his shadow cabinet, can hold to. So it's, you know, and I don't think this is going to necessarily cost them the election because there's so many other issues and I think, um, you know, there are issues closer to home which are more likely to play with people's minds when it comes to voting. But it certainly can cost him the stability of any future Labour government that he might be and in charge There has been some talk of a shadow front bench resignations over this, hasn't yeah. there? So, yeah. uh, and I think he really needs to try and avoid that if he possibly can. He could probably survive one, but I think if there's more than one, then he's, then he's in trouble. Yeah, well, it's 
takes us nicely into domestic politics, I suppose, <laughs> and the uh, the fact that uh, Rishi Sunak, uh, I was going to say celebrated, maybe that's not the quite quite marked, the right word, marked. <laughs> let's say marked his first year uh, as Prime Minister. I think it was yesterday, uh, wasn't it? I so it was, uh, yeah. we'll, we'll get your take yeah. on that in just a moment, if you don't mind uh, hanging around uh, just for a moment, sure. Sean, while we just uh, do a little travel update. Uh, we'll take a, a little musical interlude and then we'll uh, we'll talk to, to Sean uh, a little bit more about the, the domestic politics situation. <laughs> 13 minutes to 6 here on Cambridge 105 Radio, where we're joined by Sean Lang in the studio giving his analysis of the week's news and current affairs. And we, we sort of steered ourselves onto a bit of domestic politics, mm. didn't we, Sean? And, we uh, did. We yes. noted that it was Rishi Sunak's first year in office. Do you, how, how do you think he'd be marking his homework on his first year? <laughs> <laughs> well, quite. Um, I think he'd probably give himself a, a higher mark than other people would. Uh, but Because, I mean, heavens, um, he's one of those ones, and, and history and politics are both very cruel he's one of those figures that you sort of think in normal times he would probably you know do a perfectly good competent job as uh, and indeed he you know he's a highly competent figure um but he's not in normal circumstances he's no. coming at the tail end of a long period of, of conservative rule he's coming on the sort of the wave of the post brexit and of course post boris johnson um and post liz truss <laughs> so many um, sort of <laughs> crisis ones or another he's easy to miss one um and uh, so in many ways i think history will probably be relatively kind to him because um, you know one, one reads that in inflation's come down and is likely to continue um, there is be, there has been in fact a huge reduction in the number of the small boats coming over the channel so his promise of stopping the boats you know the, there are you know there are various things which, which can, he can quite legitimately point to and it's with time but only with time that you know you, you get people saying well actually when you look back at it and, and of course we don't yet know what's coming so we don't know what he will he'll be compared with in terms of a legacy but that's looking ahead yeah um because when you look at it now um I mean, in many ways, I think people make their minds up about politicians relatively early. I think it's a certain number of weeks they reckon, and you know, it's very difficult to shift yeah, people's yeah. Uh, attitude. And um, and whereas as Chancellor, compared with Boris Johnson, I think he came up relatively smelling relatively of roses, but not as as Prime Minister. Um, so not only have we got the cost of living crisis, and it's all very well talking about inflation coming down, but it's still nothing like the um, uh, you know the low level it was um, well, certainly before the pandemic. Um, second. Uh, and it's all very well talking about closing, um, you know, the hotels with, which, is, which have got, um, you know, asylum seekers. Um, but the very next thing I read was that they're likely to fill them up again with uh, with other refugees or, or whatever. But you know, it's, it's I think that the narrative on that one has already been established. Um, and you know, you you've also got this run, this run of by election um, losses, very very heavy ones that we had last week, and of course another by election by the look of it on the uh, on the horizon. At yes. So well. I mean, how, how much of a barometer do you think the the by elections are for the for very, the national mood? I think they are. Um, I mean, normally by elections particularly big ones on their own are just little sort of storms in a teacup maybe a big storm in a teacup but nevertheless that's all it is but in this case it's in line with that very very heavy um, labor lead which has been in the polls for quite you know quite a few months now and in fact um whereas when they had do you remember a few months back they had the three by-elections in one yes, night yeah. and of course one of them was uxbridge and 
And the Conservatives, which was Boris Johnson's old seat, and of course the Conservatives latched onto that and said, oh, well, maybe it's not quite so bad because we did hold on to that one and people were thinking we would lose it. Um, but it's that one which looks like the blip because the swing to Labour, and not really to the Lib Dems, but particularly to Labour that we had then and then again with the two last week, um, is not only in line with the polling, but it's actually ahead of the polling um, because the swing was about 20%. It was, it was, I think, no, sorry, I think it was more than that, but the polling yeah. has been about 20%. Um, so all the signs are that, uh, you know, even Conservatives are looking at this as, uh, you know, this is clearly going to be the end of our run. We need to start thinking ahead to how we rebuild and that sort of thing. And I think when you have the, the leading party, which after all has got a commanding majority in the Commons, when it's think, talking like that, uh, it, things become a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, yeah, because uh, I mean, there's still, there's still an electoral mountain to climb, isn't there, for Keir Starmer, more, more than Tony Blair had in 1997. Yes. Yes. So he's, he's not home and dry, is he? He's very far from it, and I don't think he would claim that he was. I mean, very much the opposite. He's, he, mm. and he's very conscious of the fact that uh, you know, oppositions can well, governments can lose elections, yeah. but oppositions can throw them away as well, and um, and, and and polls can move, and in commanding leads can come down. You know, and there's a, a a number of months ahead, whether it's the spring or whether it's the autumn of next year. But it's you know, either way, it's it's a long time. A lot can change, particularly with uh, as we were saying before the break, um, a very volatile situation in the Middle East, which does have a direct impact more on Labour than it does on the Conservatives. Nevertheless, um, I think the uh, you know last week's results and the very likely you know, um, you know one of uh, with uh, in Willingborough with Peter Bone where the majority was about eighteen thousand and it's that's lower. I mean, it's a big it's another a commanding bit. majority, but it should, not, yeah. it should be a commanding one, but it's smaller than the ones that were overturned yeah. last week. So yeah, I, I, I think um, that is a barometer and a very worrying one. So yeah, not a very happy anniversary. I wouldn't. Have no. Thought. So I mean, as you say, he came in as the as the, the so-called competent technocrat, I suppose, yeah. didn't he, after, after all the turmoil of the, of the previous two incumbents? So, yes. uh, I mean, do, do you think that uh, that sort of reputation, is, it's been difficult for him to even uphold that reputation in the circumstances? I think, can, can he hold the party together even? I think, um, the first, yes, you can you can maintain a certain amount, but the trouble is with Rishi Sunak, it's all, it would be worse under, which is all very well, but you're not under yeah. whoever it is. So, you know, it's... it's Absolutely fine to say, well, it was it was worse under Liz Truss. Yes, and that, you know, I think that's true. But we're not under Liz Truss anymore. We're under Rishi Sunak, so it's his record that matters. And um, you can have a you, you can be very competent. You can have a reputation for competence. Um, and I suppose the big thing which you know he, he built his reputation on was the furlough scheme in in lockdown. But a that's a long time ago now, and um, that's been somewhat trashed in recent weeks. Anyway, absolutely, hasn't it? Absolutely, yes. Because With the, the COVID whole, inquiry, exactly, the COVID inquiry has trashed that as well, and the mm. the doctor death. Um, yes, it's hardly uh, wow. an endorsement. Yeah, it? <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and it's it's a real killer when you get an easily rememberable um, or easily memorable uh, nickname like you that. You can imagine yeah. the Labour Party jumping onto that uh, for an election yes, campaign. I, I'd be amazed if we don't hear a little bit more about. Where, that. where do you think the election might fall? Um, well, a hot prediction. I think it, everything depends on the. Policy because he will want to leave it as late as he possibly can to give himself more time to turn things around. So I think it's more likely that he will want to go for uh, for autumn unless he's forced into it in, in the spring. Certainly Labour would prefer it in the spring. Um, and there'll be I think there'll be a lot of public demand for an election sooner rather than later because 
from, you know, from the public point of view, what's to be gained by not having an election sooner? Yeah. But from his point of view, and of course in the end it's his decision, he, I, I'd have thought that unless something changes, he's got more to gain by waiting till the autumn. So unless he's under intolerable pressure, I would expect it more in a year's time than in a few months. We've got just a couple of minutes left. Shall we just uh, just run quickly through the uh, one, of, one of the final stories that's been bigger than news this week? The, 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 the challenges faced by the Met Police in terms of policing tactics. Yes, and of course this takes us back to the... It does, it links back to where we yeah, began. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's a, th- this is a wider thing than just the Gaza story because, I mean, essentially the uh, head of the Met was called in, uh, Mark Rowley was called in by Suella Bravman to the Home Office, saying, why didn't you enforce the law when there were protests calling for jihad in on the yeah. streets of London? And his line is that the law doesn't actually allow us to do that. Um, there are, you know, the huge gaps. He said this before. It's not a new thing. Um, I think people who have been concerned about the level of policing of protests, remember back to the coronation when you had people yeah. actually sort of taken off uh, to, to, uh, to the cells uh, for calling out, not my king or whatever, uh, might be surprised to hear that that uh, you know you can call out not my king and get um, get hauled off and yet call out call for jihad and not be called out you know so I think this is the sort of uh, inc- inconsistency that the Home Secretary is is you know asking him about um, and he's saying no the police need much more extensive powers um, I don't know in terms of the law exactly uh, you know who's right or whatever but um, but it does suggest that this is one which hasn't gone away and that the whole issue of policing of protests is only likely to get more contentious as there will be more protests as the situation in the Middle East continues. There's so many heavily nuanced issues at the moment, yeah, aren't there, in yeah, the news yeah. that uh, can't be answered by a, by a one or zero. No, I'm not glad that I, could, I just have to come in here and talk about it. I don't have to take any decisions. It's, it's <laughs> great to have your uh, analysis as ever, though, Sean. So thank you very much you very uh, indeed much. again yeah. for joining us on Cambridge 105 Radio this evening. You'll be back next Thursday, I think, with possibly with Matthew Parrott next uh, oh, Thursday, right. I think. So, uh, um, I'll take whoever's in the seat. You know. <laughs> you'll, you'll be happy with whoever you get but uh, thank you very much thank indeed you. again we'll uh, we'll sign off with a little bit of one direction tonight here on cambridge 105 radio cambridge 105 radio